I bring you greetings from Father our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every quicker path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We shall be concluding in this broadcast what we've been discussing for the past two weeks and that is overcoming and living above faith killers. In the first part, we had looked at faith killers and put them in three categories. Facts, feelings, and the flesh. And these are things that weaken our faith and kill our faith. And if we must live above them, if we must overcome them, we noted that there are five things that we need to do. The first one we said is we must defend ourselves against them. We must also focus on what matters. We must listen to what will boost our faith. We must have an understanding heart and we must continually be in the Spirit of God. We've looked at the first three thus far. We've looked at defending ourselves against faith killers by guarding our hearts, by putting on the whole armor of God, and by ensuring that we take up our weapons of warfare, which are mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. In our last broadcast, we looked at two more, which are basically focusing on what really matters. And that we said we should turn our gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible makes us understand that if indeed we are risen with Christ, then we should put our focus on heavenly things. We should put our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we put our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, our faces are radiant. We noted that by putting our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are eliminating any other thing that would be a distraction to us. Because, like we give the example of a high-powered lens that can train its focus on a particular image to the exclusion of other things around it, blurring them in the process. As we put our gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ, we blur everything that would want to weaken our faith. And our faith is strengthened because our gaze is right and trained on the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw the example of Stephen, who in spite of the fact that he was being stoned to death, put his gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ. His faith was assured. He was not in despair. He did not give up. We saw how the Lord taught Israel to put their gaze on him when Moses built a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and raised it on the camp when serpents were biting them. And he said, I'm not taking away the serpents, but if anybody's beaten by a serpent, put your eyes on the brazen serpent on the pole and he shall live. And that's what happens. And Lord Jesus Christ says that he is that brazen serpent that is to be lifted up to the world on the cross. And once he's lifted up to the world on the cross and we put our gaze on him, we shall live and not die. Then we looked at the third one, which is hearing what would boost our faith. And we noted that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, hearing the word of Christ, hearing the word about Christ, hearing the word from Christ. That is how our faith is boosted. Our faith is not boosted when we hear the words of men, when we hear the words of Harvard, when we hear the words of experts and the words of science. Our faith is not boosted in those things. Our faith is boosted only when we hear the word of God. And so we must focus on boosting our faith by hearing the word of God. And the Bible wants us, cautions us on how to hear the word of God. It says that we should not be careless hearers. We should not be people who just hear and don't do. We have to be people who hear with a view to do it. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. 
it is observing to do. That is why we meditate on the word of God. That is why we focus on the word of God. That is why we put the word of God front, back, and center in all that we do. The Bible also wants us that before we hear the word of God, we must put aside everything that would want to be a distraction, malice, hypocrisy, and so on and so forth. We must put them aside and come with a humble heart to hear the word of God that is able to bring salvation to our souls. Bible says we should not just be hearers, but we should also be doers. So it's important how we hear and also important what we hear. The Bible tells us that when we go into the house of God, we should be quick to hear rather than wanting to give the sacrifice of fools. There's no need giving a sacrifice when you have not heard what God is saying. There's no need to jump out and say you want to do something for God when you have not heard what God wants you to do for him. So we need to spend time focusing our attention on what God is saying. Whenever we hear the word of God, it boosts our faith in God. It enables us to draw closer and closer to him. Indeed, whenever you have a challenge in life, that is the time to go to God. That is the time to turn to God. That is not the time to look at what one person is doing or not doing. That is the time to put your focus and your attention on God. So in this broadcast today, by the grace of God, we shall be concluding on the things that we need to do to overcome and live above faith killers. As we move on to numbers four and five. Again, we go back to our text, which is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 27. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. We've looked at this in the last two broadcasts and we've noted some very salient things. Give attention to the word of God incline your ears to what he wants to say. Don't let the word of God depart from your eyes. He says, keep them firm in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The interesting thing about the word of God is that you can hear it, you can receive it, but do you have understanding of the word of God? And that's what will drive us into the fourth thing that is important if we are going to overcome and be able to live above faith killers, having an understanding heart. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, the Lord Jesus said, For the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. There is a way in which what we see as we look unto Jesus and hear from his word, when we put them together with an understanding heart, it translates into an act that boosts our faith and brings help from God. In verse 19, the Lord said, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, this is a man who heard but did not understand what he heard. So it's not enough to hear the word of God. You must hear it with understanding. It does not understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. 
The problem of the wayside heart was that he lacked understanding. Even though he went to church, even though he heard the word of God, even though he heard it on radio, even though it had been preached to him several times, because he lacked understanding, he could not appreciate the fact that this is the word that will bring salvation to him. He could not appreciate the fact that this is the word that is his victory. These are people who look to men of God rather than to the word of God. They look to the kind of church they attended rather than to the word of God. Victory is of the Lord and it is in his word. But when a man lacks understanding in his heart, the Bible says here, the devil comes and snatches it away because the devil knows that if that word should enter and that man should understand it in the slightest, his salvation has come. Like the Lord Jesus Christ said, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. So when you see somebody who is hearing the word of God and is not changing, you have seen a man who lacks understanding. And what has happened is that the devil has come to snatch it away. Look at verse 23. Speaking of the good heart, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ said, that he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. An understanding heart ties uh, gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ, are uh, hearing the word of God and brings them into fruition. There is knowledge and there is wisdom, but understanding is the bind that brings knowledge and wisdom into action. It is what you are acting upon. When you hear the word of God and you are not acting upon it, we know that this person lacks understanding. If he had understanding, he would act in a manner that would suggest that he really knows what it is that he's listening to. In First Chronicles chapter 12, speaking about the men that came to David, there's one particular group that was very crucial, verse 32, of the sons of Isaac who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were of their command. They may not have been many, but they were men of understanding. They were men who understand the times and the season. They understood when to go to war and when not to go to war. They understood when to train and when to carry the weapons. They understood how to go about the battles that they needed to prosecute. These were men of understanding. It was not that they were men of might. They were men of might. It was not that they were men of men knowledge. No, they were men of understanding. They were men who could tie knowledge and wisdom together and say, this is what we ought to be doing. In Job 39, the Lord made a comment when he was talking to Job. Job was behaving as if he knew it all. And the Lord asked him a question. That question is important for what we want to do. So let's just read it. Job 39, verse 13 to 18. The wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are her wings and pinions like the kindly stalks? For she leaves her eggs on the ground and warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may break them. She treats her young harshly as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without concern. Because God deprived her of wisdom and did not endow her with understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she scorns the horse and its rider. The Lord is saying here that the ostrich is a powerful bird. Her wings are very powerful, even though she may not be able to fly. But he has very powerful wings. She can stand above in height a rider on top of a horse. She can even run powerfully. She has strong feet and everything. Yet, God said, I did not give her wisdom and understanding. Because I withdrew it from her. She does not know how to hide her eggs. 
Her actions showed that she lacked understanding as well as wisdom. So she laid her eggs and just left it there on the sand. Forgetting that a wild beast can stamp on it. Forgetting that somebody can come around and pick it up. She does not hide her eggs. Why? God said, I didn't give her the wisdom and understanding to be able to do that. So except you have wisdom and understanding, it will be difficult for you to put into perspective the word of God, appreciate it and engage in what it is that God wants you to engage in. Knowledge gives you the what. What is this? That's knowledge. Why is this? That is wisdom. How or what to do? That is understanding. So I may know that I need to hear the word of God. I may know why I need to hear the word of God. But if I don't know how to go about it, how to apply it, it's a waste. And so we need a heart of understanding, a heart that can grasp what it is that God is saying to us, a heart that can receive from the Lord what it is that God wants us to be doing. For example, let's assume that somebody is on the 100th floor of a building and some people are knocking at the door and he peers out and they have guns and they want to kill him. Now he knows that people are at the door to kill him and he's asking for wisdom and God says to him, go out through the window. He knows that he's on the 100th floor. He has that knowledge and God is saying, go out through the window and he's confused. Why should I go out through the window? Because he knows that he's on the 100th floor but understanding will let him know that there is a way that God can protect him if he does that. So understanding will enable him to do that. I heard a very interesting story of something that happened during the Second World War. There was this soldier who was trapped and was running away from Japanese soldiers. He ran into a cave and began to pray to God for deliverance, that God should shield him from the enemy's attack. And as he began to pray, he noticed a spider building a web in the mouth of the cave. He was flustered. How can the spider's web protect him from these soldiers that are coming? He lacked the understanding. But then the soldiers came to the mouth of the cave and they turned. And while he was wondering why they turned, the Lord now gave him understanding that if somebody had entered that cave, the spider's web would never have been intact. And so in their understanding, nobody had entered that cave because a spider's web was intact there. Now that is understanding. We don't understand what God wants to do, but God has a way of doing it. If only we can have a heart of understanding. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying. He said, if only these people had a heart of understanding, they would have been able to come and ask for forgiveness. I would have forgiven them long ago and I would have healed their land and healed them completely. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Get wisdom, get understanding. In verse 7, he continues to say, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. The important thing here is an understanding heart. Not just going to get understanding for one thing or the other and then you abandon. No, we want to have a heart of understanding. A heart that understands what it is that God is saying. What it is that God is doing. Many a times, people have dreams. Or they hear things. But because they don't understand what God is saying, they just dismiss it. And what is important is that for you to have an understanding heart, you must also be somebody who is patient. Somebody who is ready to seek the face of God and say, Lord, what are you really saying? What does this thing mean? In Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4, the Bible says, Through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Through wisdom, a house is built. Of what use is the house if it's built and it is not going to stand firm? It is understanding that establishes it. 
And if you put things inside a house where there is no understanding, where it is not established, whatever you put inside that house will be lost. So understanding is crucial. An understanding heart will keep a man in all that he is doing. In Psalm 111, Psalm 111, verse 10, the psalmist wrote concerning understanding. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding or an understanding heart have all those who do his commandments. When you see a man with an understanding heart, he is a man who does the word of God. Remember, it is not the hearer that is blessed, but the doer that is blessed. So a man with a good understanding, a man with an understanding heart, is a man who does the word of God. If we go back to Proverbs chapter 2 from verse 1, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the ways of his sins. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. The Bible is saying here that if you can seek for understanding with all your mind, with all your being, if you can search for it, if you can seek after, pursue it, run after it, the Bible says that you will encounter the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And then you will have understanding. Why? Because a man of understanding fears God. A man of understanding knows that it is God that does everything for him. That there is nothing that comes from his knowledge or whatever it is that he thinks he has. That it is God who is doing those things. When we live in this world as believers, if we lack that understanding heart, we will always trust facts over faith. We will trust our feelings over faith. We will trust the flesh over the word of God. And a heart of understanding knows that regardless of what reality, in quotes, may seem to be occurring based on facts, feelings, and the flesh, he knows that it is what God says that matters. And his actions will show that. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, from verse 19, the Bible says, There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. The fact that people don't listen to a man who is wise tells you that they lack understanding. It tells you the kind of people that we are dealing with, that they are people who lack what is called understanding. If they had understanding, not only would they listen to the wise man, they would have treated him better. I've heard some people try to use that scripture to undermine wisdom. The fact that some people acted like fools does not diminish what wisdom is or the goal and the role of wisdom in anybody's life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those 
who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man is a man that lacks understanding. He's a man that does not appreciate the things of God. He's a man that cannot receive the things of God because the spirit that is in him is the spirit of the world. He can only understand science and what the experts are saying. He can understand what is being said from Harvard, Socrates, and so on and so forth. They can quote those things. But when it comes to the word of God, they cannot because the Bible says it is spiritually discerned. I'm trying to build a bridge between an understanding heart and being in the spirit at all times. For you to have an understanding heart, you must be in the spirit. An understanding heart comes from being in the spirit, which leads me to number five. But I need to thrash this issue of understanding before we get to number five. When we talk of a heart of understanding, we are speaking of a heart that goes beyond human wisdom. If you go to chapter one, which led into chapter two, I'll just read a few verses there. From verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So we are not talking of human understanding. We are talking of understanding by the Spirit of God. He says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those, verse 24, who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because, in verse 25, the foolishness of God is wider than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What he's saying here is that people always seek after science. The Jews were seeking after science. The Greeks wanted wisdom, earthly wisdom, but they could not receive the salvation of God through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Why? They lacked that wisdom, that understanding that comes from God. They missed it completely. And so they began to look for things in the natural. There are many people who live like that. They question God. Why is this like this? Doesn't make sense. Of course, let me tell you the truth. The things that God does can never make sense to the natural man. They make sense only to the man who is in the spirit. And that is where understanding comes. We're not talking of going to Harvard. We're talking of somebody who has a heart of understanding. Understanding as part the spirit of God. That takes us to the fifth and the final thing that is important if we are going to be able to overcome and live above faith killers. And that is we must continually be in the spirit. I'm going to explain that as we go on. But first, let's look at Jude. Jude is just a chapter, verse 20 and 21. It says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You build yourself in your faith. 
as you pray in the spirit. Note that this qualifies the way we are praying now. We're not talking of praying in our understanding, but praying in the spirit, allowing the spirit of God to pray through us. Remember what we read earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to 14, where we are told that the things of God are revealed to us by the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of God searches the mind of God. He knows what the thought of God is. And so in us praying through the Spirit and He praying through us, what we are having is that we are praying the Word of God. We are praying the mind of God. We are praying the will of God. Of God in first John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, the Bible says, This is the confidence that we have that if we ask anything of the Lord according to his will, he hears. He says, If we know that he hears, then we know that we have the petition. So when we pray in the spirit, we know we have the petition that we are asking for. How be it we don't even know? Let's read Romans chapter 8 and read verse 26 and 27. The Bible says, Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. We may not even be speaking it from our mouth. But there is a groaning in the inner man where he is making intercessions for us, communicating with the Father, brooding over the Spirit, the mind of God, and revealing it to us where it is necessary. In verse 27, the Bible says, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When we know the will of God on the matter, the matter is solved because it's one thing to know the will of God and pray. So when we are praying the Spirit, we have a combination of the knowledge of God and the knowledge of the mind of God, the knowledge of the will of God, and now praying that will to be. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said when he taught on prayer. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. That is how to pray. So each time we pray according to the will of God, what is happening is that there is a manifestation that blows away everything that is contrary to us coming from Satan. Praying in the Spirit or praying by the Spirit of God is a potent weapon of our warfare. It is also an armor because as we are praying, we are protected, we are guided, we are guided. As we are praying the mind of God, we are being told things. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 again, verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You don't need a man to be telling you what God has. You can do that on your own. Go to God, pray in the Spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to bolster your faith. As you pray, you are growing in faith towards God as you pray in the Spirit with focus. In verse 13, it says, These things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. As you are praying, the Spirit of God is relaying some things, instructions to you. If you are trying to understand that instruction in your human mind, you will miss it. Which is why verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? They are foolishness. The Lord will give you instructions. These instructions are actually coming from the mind of God. This instruction is the will of God for that situation. But if your mind has not been renewed, if you are still a natural man, in which case you are still living by the flesh, your faith will weaken. Your faith will be destroyed because all you will be doing is living by the flesh. You cannot live by the spirit. Faith requires that you live by the spirit of God. You live in the spirit and by the spirit. Being directed by the Holy Ghost. Being led 
by him. That's why the Bible says, as many as the sons of God, they are those who are led by the Spirit of God. A son of God is not somebody who says, I'm a child of God. No. How do we know a child of God? We know him because he's being led by the Spirit of God. The Lord Jesus Christ mentioned that in John 3. He said, nobody can tell where he's going to, where he's coming from. So is everybody that is led by the Spirit of God. You cannot predict him. You cannot say this is how he's going to do. No, you don't know. Only the Spirit that is leading him knows. And as long as he's following the Spirit of God, he will overcome every challenge. This is the crucial thing. As we pray, we are enveloped by the Spirit of God. In that enveloping is where we have what is called the anointing. Let me explain this. To anoint someone, scripturally speaking, is to rub oil upon him. Anoint my head with oil, rub your head with oil, anoint my face with oil, rub my face with oil, and so on and so forth. So understanding that concept of anointing helps us to understand what is taking place here. An anointing therefore means a rubbing over, a rubbing on. A way to illustrate this, because it's going to have a bearing on what we want to discuss concerning this issue of being in the spirit at all times. For those who are cat lovers or who have seen cats or who own cats, you would notice that usually cats like to rub all over you. And by the time the cat has left rubbing off on you, the hair of the cat will be all over your clothes or whatever it is that the cat has rubbed off on. Now, that is what the anointing is. The anointing is the action of the spirit of God upon your life. As you are praying, that is, he's rubbing off on you. But more importantly, the Holy Spirit himself is the anointing. So when the anointing is in your life and you are engaging in praying in the Spirit of God, there is an interaction between you and the anointing. And as that is happening, there is a rubbing together of both you and the anointing. And all that can be seen in you is the anointing. So when you are in the Spirit at all times, the only thing that can happen is spiritual. There's no natural thing there. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. As you are praying, knowledge comes. Wisdom comes. That understanding heart now helps you to say, go ahead and listen to him. In verse 27 of the same chapter 2 of 1 John, it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The Lord Jesus Christ told the disciples, said, When the Spirit of truth comes, it shall be with you and shall be in you. Spirit of God is within us and around us. When you have received him, abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. What is he saying? He's saying essentially that the Holy Spirit will teach you whatever it is that you are being taught from the pulpit will confirm and should confirm the word of God that God is teaching you. As a young believer, I expect that even before you go for any church service or any church meeting, any meeting whatsoever, you have prayed in the spirit. The spirit of God will tell you what the sermon is. He will actually share the word with you. So when you go to church and you are hearing the sermon, you know you can authenticate that this is the word of God. Why? Because you heard it yesterday before you went to bed. As you were talking to God about the service, God spoke to you about it. And if you go and it's a different thing, you know that this is not the word that God wants me to hear. Sometimes the Lord will say some things to you. You may not have full understanding. Then you go to the service. And as you hear the pastor preaching and teaching, he gives you understanding. Why? God could have given you that understanding. But he wants you to understand that there is a synergy between you and the body of Christ. That you are not an island by yourself. You will need to be involved with the word of God in the context of the body. Now, does that mean that we can go anywhere? No. Again, it is the spirit of God that directs us to where we should go. 
Many of us are going on our own. And so we are going to places where our faith has been weakened and been destroyed and been damaged and been killed. It is time to turn to God. It is time to get engaged in that fellowship where, as it were, we are rolling on one another. We with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God along with us. And there's an anointing. There's a rubbing off on us. And by reason of that anointing, knowledge from God comes to us. Wisdom from God comes to us. Understanding from God comes to us. And we know that as we do what it is that God wants us to do, we shall surely overcome, no matter what the challenge may be. And this is the issue with our faith towards God and overcoming the things that want to kill our faith. Number one, like we said two weeks ago, we must be able to guard our hearts through the agency of the whole armor of God. We must also be able to use the weapons of our warfare, which are essentially instructions from God. They are mighty through God. When God told David to take that catapult and use against Goliath, the stone took a force that even a strong soldier would never have been able to use. And it located the right spot. Why? It was God at work using his weapon of war, mighty through him to overcome Goliath. We need to put our gaze, our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ to the exclusion of all others. We must understand by now, especially those who are more mature Christians, that many of the things in the world are a distraction. So we must be able to train our focus, our gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ to the exclusion of others. Other things must be a blur. They must not become the focus. Sometimes we lose focus of the Lord and focus on the things around and then we begin to palpitate. We begin to get afraid. But if we can put our focus, train our focus on the Lord, those things suddenly will disappear. They become nothing. You may be facing some challenges of life. Just put your trust in God. Forget about what may be happening. Forget about the noise. Forget about the articles that are being written against you or the statements being made against you. What is God saying? That's what matters. Daniel focused on God, not on the king's decree. And he went ahead and prayed, even though the decree said he should not pray. What he did was actually against the law of his land. He was arrested. He didn't fight and say, God will destroy all of you. No, he kept quiet. They threw him in the lion's den. He didn't shout. He didn't scream. In the morning, even the king who threw him there was palpitated because he wanted Daniel saved. The next morning, the king went there, an act of faith on the part of the king. I said, Daniel, are you alive? Has the God whom you serve, has he protected you? Then I said, I'm alive. My God, he shut the mouth of the lion. I said, whoa. What I'm trying to say is when your gaze is on the Lord, it does not matter what is happening around. Just do what the Lord is asking you to do. And then, of course, in line with that is the word of God. The word of God will always boost your faith. Do you know that even when God comes to chastise you, his word will build faith in you. His word will tell you that you are a son. That is why you are being disciplined this way. That's why you are being chastened this way. Except you say you are not a son. And you will rejoice that, wow. So in spite of all that I have done, God still takes me as a son and is disciplining me to put me in right standing. That's it. You don't need to be mollycoddled. The word of God will tell you your place in God. Faith will be built in you if you are chastened by the Lord and you go away from God. It is most likely that you were not of God in the first place. Because if you were of God, you would have been happy. I know many children who ran away from home when their parents disciplined them. They ended up in the motor park as touts. You don't want to be a tout. You are a child of the living God. Allow the word of God to discipline you, to chasten you and bring you back to God. That is the goal, to build your faith in God. Remember, it is the doer of the word. Not just the hearer. You must get rid of malice. All those strange things that come to contaminate and corrupt the word of God in you. You must get rid of them. You must get rid of the flesh. Your feelings and those things called facts. 
You must hold on to the word of God by faith and through faith alone. And today we've looked at the last two, an understanding heart and being in the spirit at all times. An understanding heart is not just a heart of understanding from the secular, but a heart of understanding based on what God is saying, based on what God has put in your heart. When God gives you that understanding, it is made manifest in your actions. You cannot hear the word of God and not do it if you have an understanding heart by the Spirit of God. But if you hear the word of God and it is a problem for you to do it or you can hear the word of God and go ahead and do the wrong thing, you lack understanding. And that was the problem of the wayside heart. Because they lacked understanding, they heard the word of God and it didn't do them any good. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews chapter 4, that even though the Jews in the wilderness heard the word of God, it not being mixed with faith did them no good. When we hear the word of God and refuse it to be mixed with faith, we miss out on so many things. There are people who are still going to go to hell even after hearing the word of God, after sitting down in church for several years. Why? They have not opened their hearts to God. When you open your heart to God and God gives you understanding, his word will have meaning in your heart. There are many things that we have heard over the years that are not true. When you have an understanding heart, the Lord will begin to point to you. You see how they misrepresent my word? Look at what they did here. They misrepresented his word. Your heart will be open. Suddenly you will understand that, wow, this is what the Lord has been saying. I didn't know. And then your deliverance comes. But for you to be going to somebody to be laying hands on you every day, every day, they say they're doing deliverance for you. What kind of deliverance is that that never ends? The Bible lets us understand that through the word of God, we are delivered. The Lord Jesus Christ said it. He said, you shall know the truth, which is the word of God. And the truth shall make you free. You cannot free yourself. It is the truth that you have come in contact with by the word of God that will make you free. So you need an understanding heart to be able to know what to do and how to apply it. Knowledge tells you what it is. Wisdom tells you why. Understanding tells you how and what you need to do next. Be like the sons of Isaac. These were men who knew the times and what they ought to be doing. For example, nobody prepares for war during wartime. You prepare for war during peacetime. That's when you prepare for war. You must be able to see things coming ahead. That's why you have watchmen on the watchtower. You must be able to spend time with God in prayer. Sometimes God will not tell you anything, but his instructions will protect you. His instructions will guide you and they will guard you. And as long as you have an understanding that you will yield to him, you will yield to his instructions. Finally, we need to be in the spirit of God at all times. Praying in the spirit, hearing what God is saying in the spirit, having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Indeed, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If you have not crucified the flesh along with his passions, I think I've explained this several times, you cannot live in the spirit, let alone walk in the spirit. To live in the spirit is to have the spirit with you at all times, to be led by the spirit, to walk in the spirit is to follow the leading of the spirit of God. And you see, with these things, faith killers suddenly become irrelevant, at least to you. They will come, but you will overcome. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. He was tempted severally, but he overcame every time. These Things that we've mentioned, these five things, what I call faith boosters or faith builders, have one goal, and that is to make you grow in faith towards God, to take you towards God in faith, so that your knowledge of God, your understanding of God by faith increases, increases, increases. And as we ward off Satan's attacks, these attacks of Satan, we said, comes from as he tries to build unbelief, doubt, fear, and so on and so forth, as we ward off Satan's attacks. Through the word of God, we are also growing in faith towards God. And 
throwing Satan as it were far away from us. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Let me read from verse 8 to verse 9. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfastly in the faith, not physically, in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. When you are experiencing life's challenges, resist Satan. The Bible says, resist him and he will flee from you. He didn't say you should run away from him. He didn't say you should even go after No, resist him. What does it mean to resist Satan? Do this. No, that's, that's a resistance. You just stand your ground. You stand your ground on the word of God. Regardless of what Satan is showing you, this is the fact. You say, no, but God says thus. Look at how you are feeling. You are having headache. You are having this. This is what it is. God says, I am well. God says, I am healed. That is how to resist it. He will bring the symptoms, but you will make your pronouncement according to the word of God for you. When he sees that this one is not a small meat, he will run away. He will leave you. Overcome the passions of the flesh. When they are trying to contradict the word of God in your life, you must stand firm on the word of God. That's how to resist Satan. In verse 10, it says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Suffering is part of the gospel. Don't count it strange. Don't think it is anything strange. When you are going through life's challenges, it's normal. It's a normal thing. All you want to know is, Lord, this thing I'm going through, is it because of sin in my life? God says, no, it's not because of sin in your life. I'm training you. Ah, thank you, Father. Lord, help me to overcome this. Help me to stand firm. And you stand firm. There's a place God is taking you to. And in taking you to that place, there's a training that you must go through by faith. Forget about many of these soothsayers. Because that's what they are. They claim to be pastors, but the truth of the matter is they are soothsayers. Now there is an attack, and the attack is simple. That people are attacking men of God. Nobody is attacking men of God. Those people are not men of God. If anybody is teaching falsehood, that's not a man of God. A man of God will speak the truth. That is from the word of God. A man of God will focus on the word of God. Many of these people just want to build empires for themselves. That's the simple truth. They want to engage in church buildings. They want to engage in all kinds of projects. And so they begin to teach wrong things. They get into error. They want to twist the word of God to agree with their wrong things that they are doing. I want to encourage us all. Go back to the word of God. What is difficult in you, yourself, going to the Bible and reading the Bible for yourself without wanting an explanation from people who don't even know what the word of God is saying? What stops you from going to the Bible, reading it and praying and say, Father, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things out of the book of your law. What stops you from saying, Lord, every page I read, show me Christ. What stops you? From talking to God about the words. Say, Lord, this thing you wrote here, I didn't understand it. Please, can you explain it to me? He will explain it to you. But you need to be patient. You need to wait on the Lord. You need to endure. You need to go through the challenges and the discipline of God. Some of the discipline of God is not because you did something wrong. Discipline, another word for discipline is training. It's just training. It's training you. My prayer is that you will grow stronger in faith towards God. By the grace of God, when next we meet, I'm trusting the Almighty God that some things concerning faith, our work with God in faith, will become clearer and we will have deliverance from the things that have limited us and held us back. But until we meet next week, please continue to remain strong in the Lord in faith. Making sure that you put on your whole armor of God, holding the weapons of God, putting your gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ, listening for the word of God, have an understanding heart concerning what God is saying, and always remain in the spirit of God. God bless you.